0: Welcome to Covenant Church's Sermon Discussion. This conversation happens most Wednesdays on Facebook Live between me, Michelle Lichty, the Communication Director at Covenant, and the Preaching Pastor from the previous Sunday. If you haven't already, I recommend listening to the sermon before listening to our discussion. Well, good afternoon. I am Michelle Lichty, and I'm here today with Rob Eiman. Hello, everyone. Hey, Rob, it's good to have you back. (laughs) on the Facebook live yay
1: I've been uh, I've been uh, giving a lot of time to thrive and trying to pull that together so I've been grateful for the chance to uh, give energies on Sunday morning to uh, that important work that we're doing down there in GP3 but that's wrapping up now we've got a good pattern going and the um, so hopefully I'll be a little bit more present on Sunday mornings up
0: top you are always present
1: oh thank you (laughs) just
0: you may be more platform. visible. How about that? Visible. You may be a little a bit better. more visible. Yes. yes, yes. Well, today we are going. We're here to talk about your sermon um, from this past Sunday from James five verses thirteen through eighteen, entitled "Offering Up Prayer." Um, but before we get started, I have to say, because I haven't said it to you today, Happy birthday! Oh,
1: yeah. <laughs> You're not supposed to do that, Michelle. <laughs>
0: I know I'm not, <laughs> but I couldn't help myself.
1: Oh uh, yeah, well yeah, well you got to show a little more self self discipline there, girl. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, happy birthday, thank and you thank so you much. for taking some time on your day to talk about the, the sermon from this past Sunday. I always
1: look forward to this.
0: I do too. I told you uh, be- earlier this morning when you said we're gonna we're not gonna do it today, right? And I said, oh no, it's the highlight of my week. <laughs> And
1: then I said, you need a better week.
0: <laughs> you did say that. <laughs> we could talk about why all that is, but we won't. we won't. We won't. Because we're we're wanting to talk about the sermon. And um the first half of your sermon was all about the fundamentals. Uh I love that you started with that Vince Lombardi uh story of, famous this
1: one of
0: <laughs> is the football. <laughs>
1: Yeah, uh, well, you know, as I was looking at this text and I was getting into uh, more of just sitting before the text and looking at it, thinking, wow, look at all the things prayer does for us. I, I couldn't help but just feel like the spirit was saying, let's go back to the beginning. And I, I pushed back on that and said, but, but this is a congregation of people who know how to pray. And I was like, that's OK. Go back to the beginning. You know? Um mm. Uh, there are some things we just need to be reminded of before we get into the playbook, before we get into the things you can do in prayer, before we go into the prayer of a righteous person is effective and powerful. Okay. Well, what is that prayer? What does that look like? And, um, so I really felt, felt led to, to go down that road. And uh, it was helpful to me. I was really grateful for the chance just to review some of those, those fundamentals, you know.
0: Right. And, I liked what you did with the colors on the slides. Um, It was really helpful visually to be thinking about where am I on that continuum of um, thinking about and believing, you know, thinking about faith, believing, um, believing God, but then moving to the, the feeling and the knowing.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: It, It was just, by By separating those out, it really helped me to think about um you know where i am on where am I on that gradient mm-hmm. Because sometimes it's easy to think, well, I believe, I know what I believe um but then it's do I know what I believe in my mind or do I know what I believe in my heart like mm-hmm. there's it has to travel that eighteen inches from the head to the heart. Yeah,
1: you know, and I am, I, um, uh, as I said at the end of, end of the message, there's a lot I had to cut out. I had to make some hard choices here. Um, mm-hmm. uh, there was one, there was one illustration that has always spoken to me, and that is, you know, uh, people can ask, "Do you believe in God?" Uh, it's interesting, but I'm not sure that's really a good way. I, I'm not sure we should be answering yes, I do believe in God, because. I know my wife, Anne, exists. I know she's there. I've seen evidence of it. um, And and I can say I believe in my wife because I believe she's there. But I don't say that. I say I know Anne Mm. because there's a relationship that she and I share. And the challenge that I've carried over the last decade or so has been, can I say that I know God? Or do I have to say I believe in God? You know, is it more of a head thing for me or is it more of a relational thing for me? Mm And and that was the color gradient for me, Michelle, to look at that and say, wow, um, I can believe in him. Do I really know him? I can think about him. Do I really feel his presence? Because A.W. Tozer uh, wrote, I forget which one, in The Pursuit of God, I think it was, where he said that um, he believes that just as God has given us physical senses so that we can discern and see and interact with our physical world, so, too, he's given us spiritual senses so that we can know and see and interact with the spiritual world. But he said, due to lack of use, these senses have atrophied. Mm. They can be revived. They can be restored. They can grow again. But we have to continue to we have to begin to use them more and more so. And so I think that, that the feeling of God's presence is a real thing. And we can experience that. Um, it takes some practice. And it takes being still and quiet. Because you can't feel God's presence when you're going 75 miles an hour down I-65 surrounded by trucks. <laughs> you can pray, but you can't feel his presence. And feeling his presence and knowing his presence, I think, is an important part of of the intimacy that we can share in prayer.
0: Mm. And it's, uh, speaking from experience, it's just hard to wait. Right? It's hard mm. to um It's easy. Maybe I should say it this way. It is easy um, for me to sit down in my spot, work my way through my devotion, (laughs) check off my prayer list, and then move on with my day. It's harder to sit and wait and, and just, yeah. There's no other better word for that, right? But just to wait for that feeling or, or even to, one of the things I've had to ask God to do is to open my eyes, to see his presence in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, Because so many times I can say, oh, wow, that was a great coincidence. Oh, isn't it good <laughs> how that worked out without acknowledging, oh, that was God right
1: yeah lord thank you for for bringing this into my life right now thank you for that moment thank you for that interaction thank you for that phone call thank you for putting me on that person's heart thank you for putting that person on mine
0: right exactly
1: yeah
0: Yeah. because and i think i think when we have eyes to see how god is at work in the smaller things of life then it's um I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm different than other people. But I think when I see God at work in the smaller aspects, in the daily aspects of my life, it's easier for me to feel like He sees me and knows me.
1: Mm. Mm. That He's engaged. That He knows. That He loves. Yeah. Now yeah, I was thinking about. I mean, I think we each, each and every one of us carries different barriers, mm. uh, things that hinder us from being able to experience the fullness of God's love. I mean, there's. We, we grow up in a fallen, broken world, and we grow up in a family that's not perfect. Mm-hmm. And so we create different things that we we adapt ourselves so that we can survive. You know, got to do everything right or got to look pretty or got to uh, excel in school or whatever. And then I can right. be accepted, Then I can avoid shame. And, and so we've got these things that we carry for decades that um, inhibit us, don't prohibit, but inhibit us from being able to experience God in his fullness with us. And so to be able to let those things go, uh, requires some time and silence and solitude and time with the Lord and uh, having Him reveal to us the things that are obvious to Him, but aren't so obvious to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a good point. We, to, to ask Him for that help to help me see Lord, help me see what you see. It goes back to earlier parts in James. Um, is it James chapter one where the, you know, if you lack, if anyone lacks wisdom, let, let them ask of God who gives generously. Right. And that wisdom is a, uh, the ability to see what he sees as he sees it, and to think about things as he thinks about it, so that oh yeah, it looks it looks like this on one level, but when you put it under God's uh, under God's auspices, under His authority, oh, it takes on a totally different hue.
0: Mm, right? Yeah, yeah, and and then you took those gradients <laughs> and mm. you moved it into action words. The act, hmm. and the connect, and the trust. Hmm. So it's so it isn't, or no, I'm sorry. It's awareness. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Well, the A-C-T. ACT. I know how much you love acronyms. <laughs> Aware, connect, and trust. ACT. Just that's do the prayer. That's try. what I.
0: That's what I'm reading. As I'm looking at my underlined letters, <laughs> act. Oh wait, no, awareness. That's the first. Be aware. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and those words in there. I mean, when you think about connecting with the Spirit, um, you think about abiding and uh, allowing His life to flow into us. It's the branch and the vine, as I brought up from John 15. Mm-hmm. When you think about connecting with the spirit, it's about receiving, it's about receiving that life. And so there's a, there's an attitude that we have. There is a, um, uh, a perspective that we have in this, that, that while, while you and I talk, I can encourage you and you can encourage me. Romans one, that we might be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. That so the apostle Paul reason he wanted to go see the folks in Rome. Um, but when we talk to God, uh, while he can be blessed by us. While we can we can bring that to him, we are the ones who receive from him all the time, and so we come with a sense of abiding and a sense of receiving, and that is part of the connection. So that you know, if you envision it of a uh, of one heart pouring into another heart, there's this there's this great infinite person heart spirit that pours into us, and then our spirit becomes more conformed to the image of his spirit by that connection alone because Mm. of his beauty, because of God's imminence, his closeness, because of his greatness um, and our smallness. I mean, uh, Isaiah 40, I mean, there's just so many places where we become conformed just by being with him
0: Hmm.
1: and making that connection with his spirit.
0: Which makes sense because as I think about it, you know, our friends, you know, the people we spend the most time with, that is who we tend to be like, right? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, when we first got married, my husband and I were very similar in some ways and very different in other ways. And I'm like, I'm kind of surprised. I was reflecting on this just a little, a few weeks ago, like, oh my goodness, like, we have really conformed to each other in areas where we were very, very different. Um, And it's, so it would make sense that if that happens in our earthly physical relationships, where, you know, when you're friends for a really long time, when you've spent a lot of time together, then you're more and more alike, then it it would make sense that, the same thing happens spiritually.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point, Michelle. You know, and, um, and how do we do that with a being that we cannot see or feel physically? Well, there are the spiritual senses and there are the physical senses that connect us to him. I mean, um, Romans 12, 1 and 2, you know, do not be conformed to the pattern mm-hmm. of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There is a renewal of the way that we think. We fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what's unseen. We fix our hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. We set our minds on things above, not on earthly things. Um, because we died and our true life is now hidden with Christ in God. Whoa, wait a minute. Yeah, what's real, our true life, what, who we actually are, is now hidden with Christ in God. In other words, we don't see it in the fullness, fullness. We have the down payment of it in the Holy Spirit to guarantee the rest is going to come. But this thing that is hidden with Christ in God will one day be revealed. When Christ returns, we shall see him like he is, and we shall be like him, 1 John 3. So there's this, um, the idea is is how then do we engage this God in a way that allows us to become more like him? And I mean, the scripture is a big part of it, renewing your mind. Allowing those scriptures to speak to us, it's one with another. As I encourage you, and you encourage me, and we encourage our families. Um, uh, what's that passage? Uh, the very last uh, passage: uh, "If any of you should wander from the truth, and someone should bring him back, remember this: Whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save him from death and cover over a multitude of sin." I mean, that's the together, the, the, the living together in Christ-centered relationships kind of thing. And it's it's when we're in the body and in His Word. And with him in prayer, um that's that thing you were talking about between you and Glenn, where you begin to conform to one another. He doesn't conform to us but we begin to conform to him
0: right that's and that's the big difference. Yeah. that's the big difference. Well, it's the
1: thing human to human is mutuality right Human to God is a receiving is a surrendering is an abiding
0: right, right and a trusting oh yeah to go to the third letter, right? The awareness, oh. the connection, <laughs> and the trusting.
1: Yeah, that's that's the challenge, isn't it? Yeah. yeah I brought in uh, Ignatius' Ignatius of Loyola's statement there about um, everything in life. Everything in life. You know, I think about everything in life. Um, there are some really hard things in this thing. Mm. You know, loss of a job, loss of a loved one, uh, loss of Loss of character, uh, loss of reputation, uh, yeah. backbiting, you know, just difficult, difficult, difficult things. And we not even get into physical illnesses at that point, you know, terminal diagnoses, whatever. He says everything in life holds the potential of calling forth in us a deeper response to our life in God. Yeah. Whoa. Okay, so I want to trust. So he says, therefore, I want and I choose that which better leads to God deepening his life in me. I need to trust that this hard thing that I'm in, that my child who's wayward, that my whatever that is negative in my mind, that God can step in, in his sovereign will, in his gentle touch, in his great power, and make it something that's good. You know, Romans 8, 28, very few people quote 29 in that. People will say, well, God works together for the good um, of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. Well, he's going to make it good, you know. He's going to make it better. And then we have this idea of what good is. Mm. Well, verse 29 talks about what good is, that they might be conformed to the image of his son. Oh, that's what this is. You know, learning patience hurts. Learning self-sacrifice hurts. Learning to love somebody else sacrificially hurts. Um, but we are being conformed to the image of the son, which is by far better because, again, going back to Ignatius, I didn't do this. In his first principle and foundation, he talks about how. Um, how uh, the goal of our life, the end result of our life, where we're going to end up with life, is to live with God forever. Mm. Let's prepare for that now.
0: Right, you know. Huh.
1: <laughs> I got, I, got, I left discussion and started preaching. Sorry about that. What else <laughs> want to talk about? That's
0: okay. It's okay. Yeah, I mean, it's this
1: stuff excites me, Michelle, because it's true. It's real. And it has an impact on us today. And it is totally counter to what culture is saying. It's totally counter to what my heart wants, you know. And yet it is absolutely real. And when we pursue it, we find a depth of peace. We find a, uh, a rest that cannot be received any other way, you know. And, and what, what, what are the, the words in under trust? It's, uh, it's, uh, it's release, rest, release, and surrender.
0: Yeah. Rest in Him. I don't want to surrender. Yeah. But I need to. Right. Right, in our discussion on Sunday morning, um we were talking about prayer. Obviously, we we're talking about the sermon, <laughs> and somebody brought up the parable of the persistent widow mm. in Luke. Mm. Is that Luke eighteen? Yeah, Somewhere no. in there. Somewhere yeah. in there, and and <laughs> how she she yeah, close, yeah. she, she consistently uh, petitions the judge consistently, consistently, consistently. Over and over and over again. And finally he re- grants her requests for justice. And um and it was one of the things that someone said that's really struck me was that this the woman trusted that there would be justice, mm. even though the judge was potentially corrupt, was potentially, you know, she had no power, basically. Um, she believed, she never gave up, that there would be justice.
1: Yeah, and that's an important part. There was the trust that's going on in in her heart and mind, uh, and not this sense of, I'm going to pester him until he gives me what I want.
0: Right. Because that's
1: not the attitude we have when we come to God. I mean, uh, so many different places, it's just clear that you know, if if a, if a son asks his dad for a, a, a egg, will dad give him a stone? Of course not. How much more will the, will the father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So God is a generous God who wants to give to us. At the same time, there is something about fervent prayer. The, the the fervent prayer, the earnest prayer of a righteous person accomplishes much. Uh, when you look at Elijah's prayer life, he was fervent. It was earnest. Yeah. And so, how then does that earnestness? translate to us today in our fast food culture
0: mm.
1: where we don't want to wait where we don't want to work hard for that um and yet it's not that we're trying to bang on the door and force god to give us something that he doesn't want to give us it's that he we trust him in this and trust that he is going to bring about what what uh what he wants to bring in our lives and we're, we're waiting for that and it's a um it's a relational relationship building experience mm. you know for and sometimes, I mean, we all know, we all hear stories, 20 years, 25 years, waiting for the Lord, but trusting all the way.
0: Yes. Or longer. Yeah. Or longer. Yeah.
1: It's a
0: mystery of prayer. It's, it's, it is a mystery. And the one thing I have written down here is the only way to learn to pray is to pray. Yeah. And that's. And it will feel awkward, right? When I first started praying, I just felt awkward and weird. Yeah. And I think it was helpful for me at the beginning. And I've kind of, after I had children, I got out of the practice of this and I need to get back to it. But writing out my prayers really helped me to focus my mind and focus my heart and make it feel a little bit less awkward. Um, so that's just an idea.
1: That's a really good idea to write out your prayers. Um, I think it's also helpful to pray the prayers of other people. And there are a lot of resources out there, you know, um, prayers of the reformed faith, prayers of Puritans, prayers of this, prayers of that, where people have, um, gathered the prayers that have been written down from others. And while Mm. the evangelical world says, no, we just want to be spontaneous and pray from the heart. Yeah, that's good. And there are some real gems in other people's prayers where they find words for things that I can't find words for it, but there they are. Right. Psalms are another great place in a modern translation uh, to mm. pray. Um, one thing that's really helped. There's a couple things that helped me. This little guy right here, face to face. Um That was face
0: to face by
1: by Ken Boa. Ken uh, there's Boa
0: B O A B O A yeah, B O A
1: B O A Kenneth Boa B O A praying the scriptures for intimate worship. There's two volumes. This is volume one. There's praying the scripture for uh, discipleship as well, but. Praying the Scripture for intimate worship. This was just a great tool for me. It's he goes through in five different sections where he takes the Scriptures and turns it into prayers, and then you 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 pray through the Scripture, and then there's a little italicized area where he encourages you to pray through different things like what's on your heart today, you know. And so, mm. so my prayers when I use this, my prayers are uh, relating to the Scriptures, and it really helps me connect what I'm saying to the Word of God. Plus, it brings the Word of mm. God to me. Now it's not verbatim the word of God, but it's the word of God turned into a prayer.
0: Um, Yeah.
1: So, and then this is an interesting little book. um, Praying like monks, living like fools. I guess what it is. Yeah. Um, Oh, wow. uh, This is from Tyler Statton, S-T-A-T-O-N. This has got some really good foundational materials in it for um, how do you pray? What is prayer? And how do I go about doing it? How do I rest in the Lord and how do I trust him in this type of thing? So um, I'm really glad you brought that up. I mean, there's all kinds of ways. As I said, there's many different expressions of prayer, and there's yes. many different results of prayer. Um, but they all begin with these central ideas of being aware of God's presence. You're not talking to yourself, of being uh, connecting to his spirit. It's a spirit-to-spirit connection. No matter how blue or how, how warm it is, older how warm it is, it's still a connection. And and then it's a, a trust and saying, okay, Lord, no. Jesus's prayer in, the Geth- in Gethsemane is just powerful. You know, not mm. my will. Here's what I want, Lord, but I'm going to hold it with an open hand. So you, so you have you you have your say and sway me. Hmm. Hmm.
0: Yeah. Oh, I'm sure we could talk much much longer, <laughs> <Sure> <laughs> but I'm, I'm sensing that we need to wrap it up. Um, oh yeah, look today. at that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Any last thoughts that you'd like to leave us with today? Leave with us today. How about that?
1: <laughs> That's good. Yeah. I think um, just the reality that prayer is real and that it really is. I, I, I really appreciate what Tim Keller said. Um, prayer is to the soul like blood is to the body. And if you think about what blood does for the body, you know, it keeps the muscles alive. It keeps us alive. It provides every part of our body what it needs with oxygen and nutrients and the energy source to keep ourselves animated and moving. Um, when you start thinking about it that way, you say, wow, you, am, is, is, am I, am I pumping enough prayer into my soul to give it the life that it needs? I've just been thinking about that quote from, from Keller.
0: Hmm. It is a good quote. Well, thank you, Rob.
1: Thank you, Michelle. Appreciate your time today.
0: Thank you for your time today. And thank you to our audience, whether you've joined us live on Facebook or later on our blog or on our podcast. We're grateful for the few moments you spent with us today. And may God be glorified as we live out our calling to love God. To love his people and to pour out his love on the world. Amen. Amen. Thank you,
1: everybody. bye.